You're listening to Movie Homework, brought to you by the Binge Media Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Presented by BingeMedia.net. My name is Jack, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Chad C. How you doing, pal? Hey, buddy boy. How's it going? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Here to talk about a film that is a little different than the last two that we've done. So we did Whiplash. That was a lot of fun. We did Big Trouble in Little China. That was a lot of fun. This week, we're doing 1971's Get Carter, a film that has been... Uh, talked about and ranked as the greatest British film of all time by certain critical outlets uh, in a movie that uh, I will admit uh, I have known the ending to since I was in the ninth grade in my first film class ever. The instructor blurted out the ending thinking it was the ending of the movie that we were about to watch. So nice. make of that what you will. <laughs> but, uh, okay, all right. Glad that we finally got around to this. Uh, let, me, let me give everybody a piece of the trailer here. I've come for you, Margaret. Take your clothes off. A few words. Decisive action. <laughs> Hate drives the hunter. No! No! Fear pursues the hunted. They have killed me! They killed my brother! He's dead! <laughs> Carter spreading terror with an uncontrolled trigger. Carter was a killer by profession. Now he is a killer by instinct. Michael Kane is Carter. Get Carter. Before Carter gets you. I love that trailer. That's <laughs> everything I want in a movie trailer right there. Um, so What did you say? I'm Spraying a... Carnage with an uncontrolled trigger? That's fucking fantastic. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, I, I make no bones about it. I'm, I'm a big Michael Caine fan. Um, we, on an early movie homework, we did Sleuth. Um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. A movie that I, I still think is wildly underrated and stands up even today. Um and, you know, Kane is obviously present in our lives still due to all of the work that he does with Christopher Nolan. Um, you know, I'm glad that he was chosen as Alfred. That got him even more exposure. And it's just great to see him getting a lot of work in his, uh, you know, elder years. But it's easy to forget that his early career was all about this kind of film, um, British uh, very British, whether it was a gangster, whether it was a playboy, whatever that may be. Um, he was sort of at the forefront of British actors there with, you know, his sleuth co-star Lawrence Olivier and a few others. Um, I know we've talked about it a little bit on podcasts before, but Chad, are you, uh, where, where are you on Michael Caine? Are you a big fan? 
Definitely, yeah, I'm a huge fan. I, I haven't seen a ton of uh, his really early work, but I, and honestly, when I was a kid, my first exposure to him was probably Muppets Christmas Carol. <laughs> so, Same. Same. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was. I, I liked him ever since then. Of course, Ebenezer Scrooge, and uh, yeah, I've seen with you. I, I really Sleuth is another movie that, like, when we did it, I had never seen it before. So I, I definitely need to revisit that because I do remember really liking it. Uh, and this, yeah, I, I had not, I, this is not on my, uh, it was on my radar. I knew what it was, but to be honest, the, uh, 2000 remake get Carter with old Sly Stallone, uh, was more in the forefront. Cause I remember I had, uh, like dish network back in the day and it was always on pay-per-view. Like you would always wow. see like the trailer for it. It was like this really horrible early 2000s trailer. And my dad was a huge Stallone fan. So I was like, fuck that. I'm not watching that shit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just. This is a good uh, good one to not check off the list, and uh, excited to get into this. Nice. So yeah, this obviously this is a little bit different of an episode than the last two that we did because this is a this is a new watch for both of us. Um, despite the fact that, like I said, unfortunately the ending was spoiled for me, pretty much from the moment I even knew that this was a movie. Um, I've always been curious about this movie. You know, over the years I've heard a lot about it. Um, Tarantino has talked about it as a major source of influence. I know that this is one of Kubrick's favorite movies. I know he talked about that uh, pretty extensively over the years, that he loved the, the coldness and like the brutality of this movie. And um, for being a movie from 1971, I think the first thing i got to say about it is that this is one of the coldest and just fucking meanest movies I've seen in a, in a while. Um, there's a sort of a strain of, of just nastiness that goes... that that, that it's just everywhere in this movie. And it reminds me a little bit of, uh, like, like in Hateful Eight, where it's a cast of characters that are all just mean sons of bitches, and there's nothing cute or nice or easy about the story, and it ends in the most brutal way you would imagine. Um, this movie has a similar vibe about it, but um, I, I, I really dug the atmosphere here, and... You know, Mike Hodges, uh, first-time director with this film, he ended up going on to make, I think, Flash Gordon and a few other uh, known films, but not great films. I think this is really, like, the highlight of his career. Um, but, yeah, so, Chad, what about uh, plot on this movie? Can you give us a little bit of a synopsis of just kind of the, the main bones of the story here? Yes, uh, let me pull that up here. Uh, we have Mr... Uh... Well, no, I'm not, uh, my internet's just want to act weird. Uh, so, Michael Caine is Jack Carter, who uh, who had he gets news that his brother uh, was murdered, and he is which. Uh, so, with this movie, all right, I'll get to the plot and then run out, run down after here. Yeah, uh, so he heads back. We don't necessarily have to do bullet points; just like the basic. It's it's a revenge movie, but like the basic bones of it. Yeah. So he heads back. That was Newcastle, right? Uh, his hometown yes. to yeah, yeah. Uh, start start doing research on what happened to his brother because he believes that it was not an accident because he heard that it was a drunk driving accident. He didn't think that was like his brother. So yeah, he goes on throughout this Newcastle town and realizes it kind of wasn't the town he remembers, but gets into the shit. And uh, yeah, it really is just straight up revenge movie from there. Uh, this, this movie feels like it could be black and white, right? Like very much so yeah. like, uh, and yeah, the same with like the, as far as you were saying, like the, uh, the bleakness of it, it's like, everything is like muted right it's all everything's always overcast like all the cars right. are like a certain color and yeah that's uh it's very very gritty right in your well, face it's, 
I think it's that, and it's also the content of the film, too, right? I mean, it opens with a bunch of gangsters and Carter sitting in a room with, you know, one of their, I don't know, girlfriends or, or you know, Gumars there, and they're just going through slides of pornography that they've shot from some uh-huh. something that happens. That You know, clearly they're... They're making this stuff and they're selling it on the black market or, or maybe they're using it as blackmail. But from the moment the movie starts, it's kind of jarring because, you know, I, I'm used to Michael Caine playing, say, a gangster role or, or an anti-hero, right? Like a couple of years, I think it was the year before this was the Italian job, maybe a year or two before. Mm-hmm. He plays an anti-hero role there. He obviously plays it in other films. Sleuth, his morality is probably somewhere in the, in the gray area, I would say. But... This is so much of just the, the movie just jumps into the deep end of the pool and it makes you feel kind of skeezy right out the gate. Um, you know that these guys are bad, they're just bad people right off the hop. And you know, based on the way that Carter interacts with them, that he thinks he, he's a criminal, but it seems like he knows that he's been wronged somehow and he's going to get to the bottom of it. And he really doesn't give a fuck what anybody thinks who's in charge or who might hold sway over him. He, he's essentially a one man wrecking crew that sort of travels through this movie with a lot of class. I will say that, but precision and sort of a cold calculated nature to how he goes about figuring out what happened to his brother eventually investigating you know the circumstances behind uh something that happened with his niece and really kind of just climbing to the top of the food chain to get his man and get revenge for what happened um some of the stuff in this movie it's it's rough man i mean i mean look i know this this is a british film but sometimes you see stuff in movies and you're just like wow i can't believe that's an r rating there's like you can see sex in this movie <laughs> right in the mm-hmm. opening scenes um so i don't know how that go by the censors or how that's allowed um it's also funny when you get a film like this that is so critically regarded as a a masterpiece of british cinema and then to see something like that it really kind of makes me wonder like how much does that factor into people's opinion of, of a piece of art? You know, um, if it's so bad for people to see it on film, yet a film like this has it and then is regarded as a classic, then are those things bad? Is that what the ratings actually are saying? What's their purpose? I don't know. I had this whole like internal conflict in the first five <laughs> minutes of this movie. Just like, I, I can't believe I saw what I just saw, you know, Michael Caine movie, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was a little jarring. Well, um, wasn't it? It was rated X, right? I think I read that, and then it eventually somehow got the R rating. I guess oh, but... that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I yeah. would have expected this to get an X rating based on mm-hmm. the, like the slideshows at the beginning of this. But... <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and this movie lives in a, a pocket of gangster movies that have a, a similar feel to them, but are the antithesis of like a Godfather or Goodfellas. Um, I'm talking about like. They don't all have to be British, but there's there's the Long Good Friday with Bob Hoskins. There's the Friends of Eddie Coyle with um, Robert Mitchum, and I think Peter Boyle's in that. That one's in Boston. That's not British. But it's about, like, working-class gangsters and the life they're living and how fucking shitty everything about it is. Um, 
like I can't think of a single person in this movie that you want to root for. I, I mean, even Carter, I think, has his problems. Did you find anybody here sympathetic? No, I, I, you hate them all, but really, uh, see, what I love about Carter is that he, like, yeah, he's, he doesn't make, like, he's, he, Jesus Christ, I can't talk tonight. He does not hold any bones that he's the villain. Like, it's very well, like, set out that, um, but, like, really for the first hour of the movie, you're kind of a little bit on his side because you're trying to get to the bottom of the mystery of, like, oh, yeah, this was clearly shady set up. His brother wasn't murdered. But really what sets him into that, like, just straight-up fucking demon is when he sees the porn, the film of his niece, right? Which is exactly. pretty pretty clearly probably his daughter, if we're... Yeah, right? I mean, that's... You don't yeah, throw that line in. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty much even, insinuated. Yeah, and pretty much even shows this guy's kind of even more of a piece of shit. <laughs> but... Yeah. Yeah, and after that, yeah, he just turns into straight villain mode and, like, yeah, it, it turns into a horror movie almost after that, right? I mean, he's fucking injecting women with heroin and fucking be slapping women around. And, yeah, he's a, you're not a good guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the amount of shit that happens in this movie, I cannot even imagine a movie like this one getting made today. Oh, no um, chance. Yeah. I don't think that it would be possible. I think that part of the reason why this one stands out so much is because, for the time, Michael Caine was playing so far against type. Um, mm. And it really kind of so, you know, took notice of a lot of people. He had a quote. So I, I was looking up some, some info about this movie before we had a conversation. I found this quote that I thought was interesting. Um, so it's Michael Caine talking about why he took this role. He specifically reached out to Mike Hodges to be in the film. And I guess Hodges thought that somebody like Michael Caine would never, excuse me, want to be in a film like this. And Caine said, one of the reasons I wanted to make that picture was my background. In English movies, gangsters were either stupid or funny. I wanted to show that they're neither. Gangsters are not stupid, and they're most certainly not very funny. I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and I, I maybe this is the film that kind of starts a trend, because a lot of British gangster movies come across with this really sort of dour bleak tone but i think that maybe that is a cliche that is created after we see get carter come out mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah yeah and there's another movie i wanted to bring up too i watched it for my movie challenge a couple of years ago but the lee marvin point uh point blank movie let's say point break jesus uh, <laughs> neither of us can talk tonight fuck uh, <laughs> Point Blank is another one of those movies that gets talked about as this classic crime film. Um, basically, a guy's like double-crossed, and he then goes on a, a I don't want to say killing spree, but like a rampage to get some money and steal it back from the people who tried to fuck him over, essentially. Um, it has a similar feel to this movie, though. It, it, it feels like this movie exists in the real world. It's in Britain... It's in sections of Britain that are not near Big Ben. They're not near, uh, you know, Piccadilly Circus or any of the known landmarks. It's like you said, it's overcast. It's dark. It's dreary. The environment seems like it's informing who the characters are. And I really like that. Um, the direction here, I think, is, is pretty interesting. You know, it's very, it's very real. It's not very flashy, but I think it lets the performances speak for themselves. And the fact that Kane is the only person, really, outside of one other guy that I recognize in this movie, 
it lets all the performances stand as their own thing, which I think is, is pretty interesting too. Yep. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of different stuff here. I don't know. I guess it's difficult well, when you're coming to a movie like this and. Well, I have a question. So yeah. how many, I watched this a couple times this week. First time yeah. I watched it, didn't love it. Uh, I thought it was really kind of hard to follow. Uh, because I mean, right? You're just like you said that opening scene. You don't know what the fuck's going on. You're just you're just sitting there. You don't know if he's a like a villain. What he is, or what like right. he's he, he's clearly like the fucking heavy for this these mobsters after. But like, yeah, he's just going around person to person, throwing out a lot of names: Bumbry and Edna and Glinda and Kinnear. Like, so you're just like, what the fuck is happening? So it right. took me a little while to get kind of the groove of of it, and I, I liked it first watch. Second watch, it really bumped it up for me because I was like, all right, I'm in the world now. I know what's going on and was really on board with it. Did you, did you have any of those issues when you watched it? Like, were you just kind of, I don't know. I was a little bit confused at the first watch. I thought at first it was a little bit tough to follow, but I was kind of willing to go with it. Um, it reminded me, or not reminded, but it made me think of The Sting. Um, you've oh, seen okay. The Sting, right? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, so classic really entertaining great movie uh robert redford paul newman one of the things that the sting does that's really smart is it has a shorthand that the characters speak with but it never is too um, complicated for you to understand for instance there's a moment in the movie where i think it's paul newman is talking to one of his underlings as they're prepping for the the big heist at the end of the movie and he's in the uh the two of them are in Paul Newman's office and they're having a conversation and they're saying how they have to get a bunch of guys and they've got to be top tier but it, they don't say that they've got to be you know great at their job or competent essentially the way that the line reads is the character talking to Paul Newman says my guys have got to be top notch i mean they've got to be the quill right and when he says the quill it's because somebody has opened the door and is entering the office and it's as if these guys are speaking a language that the two of them understand and in the moment the character had to change what he was saying to speak in code that they get that maybe the person walking through the door wouldn't understand it's a long way of me saying in get carter there's a lot of that up front and there's a, a lot of that throughout the movie honestly and once you figure out who Kinnear is, who uh, was it Keith is, who Albert is, then things kind of fall into place. But it's true that the movie, it kind of just drops you into a world and expects you to be able to, to keep up with it. Um, I have some respect for that, but I will say, first watch, and I only did get one watch in, yeah, you're right, a little hard to follow. Um, I certainly leaned on wikipedia a little bit for like the first third of the movie mm, um sure. after i had watched it but but yeah um other things that stood out to you uh i mean i just wrote a bunch of shit down that was just really funny to me like just just showing this fucking dude who says like <laughs> so he's when he's shaving over the fucking car oh, like no. the, the, his dead, dead brother's corpse and it's just like <laughs> Uh, there's i wrote a bunch of random shit down like i can't think i would ever do that if my uh, investigating the murder of my dead brother just get a shave in right over him uh, <laughs> um 
Uh, I did say so. I, I did think there were some pacing issues as you they went from person to person here. Yeah, um, maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but I, like I said, I think a lot of that is cleared up second watch, man. Like I, I thought this movie flew by second watch because I mean, like I said, I was really on board with it and just all right, I'm here now. I know what's going on and pick it up because a lot of the women I thought looked very similar, like uh, Edna and uh, what's her name, fucking uh, Jesus, Glinda. They they both kind of look similar. <laughs> so yeah, it uh, was... that their names are so close too. <laughs> yeah that too um and then really i mean what carter only shoots one person this whole movie right it's the the dude on the boat the blonde dude i think so yeah oh man i didn't even realize that yeah because i mean he beats the dude with the shotgun and he he carries that around which i was doing some research and i guess that shotgun has a lot more meaning in the book with his brother it has like the initials carved on it and stuff and that was like their thing so Mm -hmm. uh um, I don't, yeah, I've got a bunch of random notes written down, but I, we can save some of these for the superlatives, of course. Nice, nice. Um, um, all right, well, a couple other things I wanted to mention. Um, so, the finale of this movie. Um, so, again, uh, obviously, we're, you know, we're talking about this movie, and it goes with any movie homework. If you haven't watched the movie yet, uh, it, this is a spoiler show. We're going to spoil it because we're talking about the movie. Um, so, the ending. So what my film professor <laughs> in the ninth grade said while we were about to watch another movie, keep in mind, now this was an older guy, <laughs> so he didn't really put together that he was going to spoil the movie we were going to watch, and then he didn't actually spoil it, he spoiled a completely different movie. I don't know why he was telling us this up front, <laughs> but he was like, yeah, you know, get caught, uh, yeah, it's uh, Michael Caine, you know, uh, he gets shot, shot in the end, last scene of the movie, it was... Uh, <laughs> It's a great scene. It's a great scene. It's like, you know, I, most of the class just... Christopher Walken was your professor? A little bit. Little bit. He's a cousin. <laughs> Christopher Walken does uh, have a property on Block Island in Rhode Island, so, you know, he uh-huh. is around. But, <laughs> but yeah, just uh, one of the fucking weirdest things. So, I, it's just, you know, you, it's one of those stupid things. Like, you just never forget it, right? It's like, okay, that's in my oh, head yeah. now. I, I know that yep. forever, so... <laughs> That's Not enough probably, years to pass by where you're going to forget that, right? Yeah. No, no. So it's probably one of the reasons why I, I didn't watch this for a long time. But um, but there were a couple things about the ending that were, were interesting to me. Um, first of all, the setting of this movie reminds me so much of the album art for The Who's Quadrophenia and the movie Quadrophenia. Um it, but it turns out that the location that they filmed that at is the same location that's used at the beginning of Alien 3. And oh. Fincher hasn't really talked a whole lot about that movie, but I found a quote from him that said, yeah, part of the reason I wanted to use that area was because of Get Carter, because it was such an influential film on me. Um, hmm. So kind of interesting to see even Fincher had a, a lot of love for this movie, um, which... You know, if you've seen Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, I think makes some sense. It's a pretty brutal movie. There, but... Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did want to play a clip from one of the scenes in the movie. So this particular scene, Carter has followed one of the goons to a car park. And I'll just tell you what happens in the scene. He he goes, he's found out that his niece slash daughter uh, was in a pornographic film filmed by these gangsters and he starts, you know, working his way farther up the food chain to take out every motherfucker that might have been involved with this. The uh, the next guy on his list is uh, thrown over the balcony of the car park, but 
that's not really what's important about this scene. <laughs> the thing I really like about this scene is you get a sense of Kane's performance and his like pure kind of unbridled rage toward this guy. Even though he's upset, he, I mean, he's, he's punching the guy, he's about to throw him off the, the roof, he is going to kill him. There is something about a really pissed off Michael Caine that still has a, a level of class that I can't really describe without just kind of showing you. So let's uh, give this a listen. They killed my brother. He's... Oh, I didn't mean to do it. How would you have liked it if that had been your daughter being poked in that film? Hey! What would you have done then? Hey! Slags like your Sandra can get away with it, can't they? The Doreens of this world can't, can they? Yeah, there, there's something about that. It, it, it's kind of fatherly, you know? It's like yeah. you, you prey upon whoever you want because they can't do anything about it. They're just going to get taken advantage of and, and that'll be the end of it. Um I don't know. It's it's interesting. I think it adds a little bit of uh, sort of color to his character um, that I think is, uh, I don't know. It makes this movie unique. I think the one thing we have to say more than anything else from this film is that this is probably, and I'm really trying to think here, I think I have other performances that I like more. I can't think of a, a more tour de force Michael Caine performance. Um it really feels like his taxi driver in some ways. Yeah, definitely a little bit. But yeah, well, not not heard in that scene. That dude's like bent over there and he's like punching him in the back of the head. <laughs> yeah, right before tossing him over. <laughs> I mean, Great. you know, the the uh, the fight blocking in these movies is not always stellar. But <laughs> oh uh, no, 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 I'm not gonna fault for that. I'm not gonna fault the fucking fake ass body falling from it either. You know, but it's hey, 1971, 52 years ago. You know, me, <laughs> mise you en scène, mise en scène. All right. <laughs> Um, all right, I think now is as good a time as ever for uh, some superlatives. So, Chad, I'm going to start it off with you, and we're going to start with the uh, the Scene Stealer Award, which is, of course, the Kupka. That's that, dude! So, do you have something for this? So, I feel like a lot of these movies we're going to talk about, it's going to be hard not to say, like, the main guy, right? Whiplash, it was fucking J.K. Simmons. Uh, sure. Last movie, fucking... Uh, Jack Burton. Sure. Uh, so obviously Kane, Jack Carter. I'm going to pivot here, though, just because Britt Eklund in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, who plays Anna, who is uh, his boss, Fletcher, one of the Fletchers he's sleeping with, uh, she stood out to me because I remember her from Wicker Man. Oh, interesting. Uh, orig- original Wicker Man. So mainly the, that's that dude comes in for that. And then I looked, she's also a Bond girl, which, I mean, just looking at her, you can clear, like, this is a clear Bond girl. So it's been, I don't know if I've actually seen The Man with the Golden Gun. Um, but yeah, she was Midnight in that movie as well. So that that was mine. What about you? What's wow. yours? I, I never would have pegged that. Um, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I I can't not say Michael Caine. I mean, that seems uh, cliched after what we've talked about, but it, it's just kind of the truth. This movie mm-hmm. is him. Um, oh, yeah. It is so much him that if you made it with a different actor, it, it's just a totally different movie. You know, there, there's a one of the greatest pieces of casting ever that's kind of lost on us because we just weren't of the right generation for it was mm-hmm. um, Henry Fonda in Once Upon a Time in the West. 
Oh, um, yeah, yeah. He was cast completely against type as the villain, you know, who's just an absolute heartless son of a bitch, Frank, in that movie. Shooting um, kids. Absolutely. <laughs> the opening fucking scene. Um, That's right. <laughs> and he's just a mean motherfucker. And he was, you know, Abe Lincoln. He was in The Grapes of Wrath. He was one of the great American actors, 12 Angry Men. You know, 12 Angry Men, yeah. Yeah, those those see-through blue eyes that Sergio Leone wanted for the film. And that piece of casting is incredible. Um, I feel like Get Carter may have been on a similar level to that. I know that Kane played an anti-hero before this movie, but I don't think that he ever played before or maybe even since anybody quite as uh, just kind of purely evil. Evil's the wrong word, though. It's... You almost get the sense that he's like hardened and kind of created by his environment. Um, no. Like the Manchester that he is going back to, I think that he sees it as different than it was, but I'm not sure that that's the case. It feels like he is an absolute product of his environment. Same way Frank Costello talks about at the beginning of The Departed, how he's a product of his environment. Or, or he wants his environment mm-hmm. to be a product of him, right? It's kind of one and the same. Um, sort of feels the same way with yeah. with Michael Caine and, and Carter in this movie. Yeah, um, clearly has a clearly has a code too. But it's like, what does that like? How far does that code like stop? I, I don't know. It's like he, he he seems like right. He's above the porn shit. He doesn't even like he doesn't even look at the screen really, right? He he's just like, right. but then right. until he's at. Uh, Glenda's house and is uh, watching the actual one of his niece, but yeah, he's a yeah. I don't know. Evil's not the right word, but it's it's close. <laughs> yeah, teetering I the mean, line. Right? The, the the whole you know I, what's her name? Is it Margaret? She's like I've come, he's, I've come for you, Margaret. You know, and, and mm-hmm. like tells her to strip naked, injects her with heroin, kills her, and throws her in a lake. It's like, well, that's really not that far from if you were to to like create some sort of pornographic film. So like that line, it seems real thin to me in terms yeah. of where he <laughs> lies well, on it. Well, even the, the Glenda character, the one that he throws in the trunk, who as the pace or whatever says, your car can go for a wash. She's still in that trunk, right? <laughs> That's it. She's, and he watches the car go off into the water. Like, oh, okay. Like right. that chick's dead. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it kind of makes me wonder, too. I mean, the, the movie ends where it does, but I'm not sure that if he lives, he doesn't just keep going. Um, and, and, like, his, I don't know, cycle of vengeance never really has an ending. You know, See, I, I feel... Well, with me, I feel like there was no other way for this movie to end, right? He had to die, because he was, he was fucked. Right? His, his boss is in London. The Fletchers are now. He's outed, because he was fucking their... Uh, one of their girlfriends or wives and then right. like everyone in england is after him now he's kind of screwed over all these groups so i think it has a really perfect ending but i don't yeah i don't know if he makes it too much further <laughs> i don't know it's at yeah. least my thing <laughs> yeah i i agree all right uh next award is the uh the valley which is the punchable face overacting award well fucking on, what the fuck I'll, uh, I'll take this one first. Um, so, yeah, this uh, this stood out to me immediately. As soon as I saw the guy, I said, oh, that guy. He's the only other guy I know in this movie, and he's got to be my punchable face. So the actor's name is Alan Armstrong. Um, he plays Keith. Um, best way I can describe him is, uh, again, he's probably the only other guy you recognized in this movie. 
He had a role in Sleepy Hollow that I remembered him from. He's like a constable in that. Um, I know he pops up in Van Helsing. Uh, I was looking at his IMDb. He was listed in The Mummy Returns. I don't. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, so I don't necessarily remember that. But, um, but yeah, he he's just got like a goofy sort of like uh, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Like uh, he looks like a Gelfling or something. I I don't know. It's just weird. He's got a weird look and a weird face. It doesn't mean that he's a back, bad actor, but like if I gotta punch somebody in the head, it's probably gonna be that guy. Um, so. <laughs> Did you find anyone that uh, that might? Oh, I did. Dude. I... Oh, hold on, hold on. I just figured out what he's from. It, it just popped into my head. He is one of the Scottish nobles in Braveheart that gets killed. He's, he's oh, absolutely okay. in that. Gotcha. Okay, that, that's been a long time since Braveheart. Anybody out there? But yeah, that's that's the guy. That's the fucking guy, <laughs> Alan Armstrong. A L U N. If you're looking him up on IMDb. Oh. Spelled really nicely. Um, okay. Um, so I went, uh, I like these superlatives because we can go, you know, one or two directions. You went punchable face. I went overacting here. Okay. Uh, and that is none other than Miss Petra Markham, who plays Doreen, who is the niece. Uh, there's a scene where they're sitting in the pub and they're kind of discussing her dad or, uh, you know, probably her uncle and, uh, saying he would never kill themselves. He would never done this. And she throws the beer or whatever on him and says, I don't even know. And that's me, dad. Yeah. It's just, it's so kind of cringy and then just gets up and storms out. And that performance is instantly. All right. I just jotted that down instantly in my little, little notebook here. All right. <laughs> I mean, if it makes you feel any better, she really has not done much of it. She's, she's worked fairly consistently, but nothing of note. A lot of TV. Mm. Um, yeah. I think it's mostly TV East enders. That's really the only thing yeah. I, I recognize on here. So, um, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, maybe she, uh, you know, she, she, she was not the strongest actress to, to begin with. So <laughs> there you go. But all right, uh, next one on the list, we've got the uh, the PJ, which is the casting swap award. Dynamite <laughs> drop in, Monty. Uh, so if you were going to swap anybody in this movie for another actor, uh, who do you have, Chad? I would not swap Michael Caine out of this movie, but like we said, there's just I don't know a lot of this cast at all. I really like Britt e- Britt Eklund's the only one I've ever really recognized in any movie before. So if I had to, if Michael Caine, you know, we lived in a world where he wasn't around, I think Terrence Stamp could have pulled this this role oh, off pretty well. Dude, that's a um, great fucking that that's a great choice. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I went with it. But I would not replace Michael Caine at all. He's fucking like we said, he's perfect in this, but. Yeah, I think Stamp could have pulled off pretty... I mean, he was in Clockwork Orange later this year, right? So, hmm. it was the time for him, so... Um, yeah. So, oh, Terrence Stamp is a great choice. I I went in a little bit of a different direction. So, again, I was thinking, who else could play Carter? And I, I stand by what I said before. I think anybody else in the role, it's a different movie, and you have a different energy to it. But if there's somebody that I would have been intrigued to see do it that would have been around the right age, I actually would have really liked to see what Anthony Hopkins would have done with this role. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Kind That'd of an interesting a... swerve, you know, because... Yeah, definitely. You would, you would think that he would be quieter, maybe, but I think the mean streak would come out in a different way, and you mm-hmm. might have that kind of Hannibal Lecter 
sadisticness to those uh, to that like last half of the movie that we, we, you were kind of talking about how it becomes a horror movie. I think with mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins, you actually could make it a horror movie. Yeah, um, and I, I would have. I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested to see what that would look like. Yeah, I get behind that. Yeah, so maybe uh, maybe Hopkins, maybe Stamp. I really like Stamp. General Zod in this movie would yeah. uh, would probably work really well. But God, that's a great pick. I wish I thought of that one. <laughs> All right. Um, the next one is the Ammon. Tell me something about something I was reading about. And this is the best quote. So this one was a back and forth, um, but there was one line that I really liked that. There was something that was very dry, very British about it, and I think it's a pretty good encapsulation of the feel of the movie. Um, but there's a, you know, a moment where Jack is talking to Eric, and uh, there I think this is at the racetrack, mm-hmm. and yep. Eric says, "So, so, uh, what are you doing then on your holidays?" And Jack's like, "No, I'm visiting relatives." Eric, "Oh, that's nice, Jack." Well, it would be if they were still living. Um, I love that quote. I, I, there's something about it that just fits the tone of the movie. Um, I think that it's all right there. I, I don't know. It just that resonated with me. But uh, I'm sticking in that scene with you as well uh, for mine. And yeah, there's some good ones. Uh, you're a big man, but you're you're in bad shape. With me, it's full time job. And then he fucking bitch slaps him. That was a good one. Yeah. But yeah, my favorite is with a little bit later in that scene with Eric, and he's like, "You know, I almost forgot what your eyes look like. They're still the same. Piss holes in the snow." So it's yeah. like, you get. I mean, you can just say in your Michael Caine accent, "Piss holes in the snow." It's like I don't know. It's just like stuck in my head for the last. Piss few holes days. in the snow. <laughs> good That's stuff. Right. Yeah, there was another one earlier in the film. When they're sitting around playing cards, where Carter says, uh, somebody's like, how, you know, how much longer are you going to be here? He's like, oh, a little while longer once you've lost all your money. Something like that. It's just uh-huh. it's very slick. It's very, like, Bond-esque in a way. But, um, yeah, I love the little affectations and stuff like that when it comes to, to British cinema. Sometimes there's, there's just, like, little turns of phrase. Monty Python does that a lot. Granted, that's comedy, but still, like metaphors and like little turns of phrase are very uh, very interesting very very satisfying to hear you know so no. um it's good stuff there all right uh next up we have the tm award i mean wow which is for what holds up the best or worst for the uh, for the film um i think the thing that holds up the best is the ending um i actually have a clip from the ending that i want to play so let's let's do that first. I want you to drink all of that. Do you understand? Drink it all. Just like it was with my brother Frank. Go on, sir. Drink up. Drink up, Harry. It was you. It was you who poured it down, wasn't it? Hey, Eric. Hey. Did you all have a good laugh? Hey. Did you have a good laugh when he was spewing it out? Hey. Drink it. Drink it. Did you pass the bottle around? When the car went over the top? 
sympathizing with or empathizing with Carter but at that point you I don't know I could feel it I was like yeah you gotta fucking kill that guy like he's just he's gotta go that that doesn't mean that like Carter doesn't also not have to go but like this guy's gotta go and what better way than splitting his head in two with a fucking spade (laughs) shovel you know uh it's just gotta happen but um but yeah for me I think the ending is is despite me knowing it for a long time um is the thing that I think makes this movie special. Um, I think that if you let this character live in the end, then I don't think people like Dennis Lehane or Fincher or Kubrick give a fuck about this movie or talk about it. And I don't think that it... I I think it it still, you know, it exists as a great performance from Kane, but I think it's a movie that always is kind of marred by a bad ending. Um... So, of everything about the film, that, for me, I think is aged the best. But what do you think about what's aged the best or, or the worst? So, I went opposite. I went worst. Okay. Uh, so, probably, we talked about it. This movie's not getting made in 2023 because of just yeah. the violence to the women. I mean, he's fucking yeah. slapping them around, calling them bitches and fucking uh, all that shit. Um, but, like, the I mean, some of like, the audio... He's like... He's, we, we didn't even mention this. He's having, like, phone sex with his mistress in front of the landlady that he's going to bang the next night. It's just like, Jesus. Well, thanks for ruining my most entertaining scene, Jack. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, uh, so j- some of the audio issues at uh, the beginning of this movie with with that the scene where he's sitting, which I some of my research found out about was added post uh, so they did. I guess the producers didn't like the way that it sounded. So as you can see, like on uh, all the audio is happening off of sc- off screen. It's on Jack's mm-hmm. face, and so that's all dubbed in. And it, yeah, it was kind of distracting. Uh, and that, that's just kind of where I went with it. But I'm not gonna fault a 1971 movie because you know I'm not a, not a dick. You know, maybe sure. I am though. Who knows? Well, uh, your words, not mine. So. <laughs> so what we got left? Chad C. Is that the last one? I think we are up to the fucking Chad C. I know this is a hot take. <laughs> Most entertaining scene. Well, hopefully <laughs> I didn't just completely fuck that up for you. But uh, what do well, you think? it sounds like you did. No, I mean you ju- you just you used it for your what's aged the best. The the final scene. I mean the final five minutes. Really, the whole. Yeah. I mean, so Tom Cruise has this whole thing in Hollywood with, with him running, and Michael Caine does a lot of fucking running in this movie, <laughs> and he uh, he's running with that shotgun at the end across the beach and up the rocks and just looks like it's so fucking tiring and then uh yeah just brutally beats him down fucking dumped in the ocean he's all jolly and then bam uh that fucking sniper which did you realize that that sniper is in the first scene of the movie on the train with him no so i had heard that and i went and rewatched it again because i had uh heard that and it is the same guy the guy with the ring he's sitting parallel from him on the train so he's been after him apparently but it's also Kinnear's guy because he's on the phone with him and says you know what he looks like so it's like he's been tailing this guy for a long time so I don't know how that kind of 
adds up here but yeah same dude the ring is very prevalent they show the ring on the train at the beginning too you see his hand and everything so yeah same sniper from the beginning he's he's been been after him the whole time oh man but yeah it's great you know, i remember the shot at the beginning and i remember thinking to myself like oh okay he's he's reading a raymond chandler novel and i'm like okay that's probably like you know that's an influence i was wondering why the camera turned to the other guy and i, I remember mm-hmm. making note of him but i didn't put that together until right now that's fucking nope. interesting. I'm, I gotta watch this again. I gotta fucking watch yeah. this again already. Son of a bitch. That's <laughs> pretty good. All right. Yeah, I maybe right. like it even more though. That I'm like, oh, that's fucking super cool. <laughs> that is. That like is cool. It. That's really fucking cool. Um, all right. So next we have the PMC, which is the best use of music in the film. Uh, Chad, what do you have for this? got to be that fucking theme right and it's just so well it's just so cool it's like the jazz influence yeah. on it uh yeah i love it i love that fucking that the main theme for this movie it's on the train scene that we were t- it's talking about and it gets played a handful of times throughout it but i just yeah i think that's just fantastic really well yeah, done. I, I love that i maybe this is cheating but i love the trailer i love the like the use of music in the trailer and where where the narration is and where the music is it, it's like perfectly edited together um, mm-hmm. The only other scene I would mention is the one where Carter is chasing a dude down and he runs through a club that's kind of like a, I don't know, like a muted version of something you would have seen in Austin Powers. Um, it, you know, it's got that like swinging 60s, I know this is 1971, but like swinging 60s kind of like British scene uh, happening about it. I, I don't know. There was something about that where I was kind of, I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's kind of cool. That looks like the real version of the shit that Mike Myers was parodying in, in Austin Powers. Um, and obviously Michael Caine shows up in an Austin Powers movie, so it's all right there. But, mm. but yeah. Um, yeah, there's not a ton of notable music cues in the movie. Uh, no. We talked about the ending. Obviously when uh, you know, the spade shovel comes down, there's a, there's a big you know, music cue there. Um, but yeah, just in general, it's, I think the score is pretty, pretty interesting. Um, it's a little bit more upbeat than I would expect for, from a movie like this. Sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. Cause like I could, I, if I can find the get Carter soundtrack, I would absolutely throw the main theme on like a house party playlist. Cause it's great <laughs> yeah. background music. No, it is. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. But if anybody knew it was from, yeah, if you knew it was from this movie, you'd be kind of like, uh, oh, this is this is a little dark, you know, <laughs> but that's fine. For sure. Uh, for sure. All right, man. Well, you know, the last one, if, uh, if we have an answer for it, it's our extra credit. And that is if we could swap a member of the cast with a binge staffer, who would that be? Now I have an answer for this. And to me, it's an interesting one because I think it is slightly against type yet. I think it would yield a positive result. So again, movie like this, who else are you going to swap? you got to swap Carter. Who, who from the binge staff would play Carter? Um, look, I think there's a good argument to be made that Jim Law is the guy because he pretty much is the guy, right? Uh, he's got the frame for it. He's got the, uh, the, the, the presence of mind. He's got the attitude to embody that character. But I actually want to go in a different direction. And I want to see Get Carter pr- produced by Binge Media starring... Alex Ancira as Jack Carter. <laughs> and here's why. If you remake this movie, okay, you could do one of two things. Either A, you drop him in 1971 London and you make the same movie, but it's it's Moreno on the fucking job. Mm-hmm. Or okay. you make the second remake of Get Carter 
And you make it in Mexico with okay. a, an like all-Mexican cast featuring Salma Hayek, Danny Trejo, Benjamin <laughs> Brad. I don't know. The list goes on, whoever the fuck it is. Benjamin and Brad's playing Moreno, though, right? Well, <laughs> I, I like that. I do like that. He's um, the one that says that he, that's his celebrity lookalike. So. That's right. That's right. Yep. <laughs> he, plays him, he plays him in the stunt scenes. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think that's the one I would want to see. I think that could have the maximum uh, comedic potential. And that's really what I'm going for. Because if, if we're going to remake Get Carter, I don't want it to be just, oh, let's tell the same story again in the same way. Let's, let's fucking, let's Austin Powersify it. Let's make it something hilarious, different, unique. So that's the direction I'm going. How about you? Okay, so I cheated a little bit. I went with uh, more of a binge listener in this, uh, Ooh, okay. which is our which is our, our favorite listener across the pond, Nate Peterson. Oh, uh, oh, I need yes. I need Nate Peterson as a fucking one of Stewart's henchmen or, or Fletcher's henchmen, right? <laughs> He's got to be. He's just fucking coming around, just being antagonizing. He walks in on yeah the, the scene with uh, <laughs> with Jack and and Edna, the the hotel receptionist in bed. He's just there, like fucking. Let's go, Jack. Come on. You fucking well, great. The guy that Carter stabs, that's Albert, right? Yes, uh-huh. Okay, I could totally see that being Nate P. Same hat, <laughs> same outfit, just like... That's uh, true, yeah, yeah. Hello, Jack, you know? Ooh, but that's... he's the one that, like, actually performed the sex acts on the... Uh, look, look, we don't have to get into that. I'm just, I'm just saying. He can work Nate, the scene, you know? Nate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, right. what, I don't know. What, I think we, there's potential. We, we didn't talk about this scene, but this scene fucking cracked my shit up. The, the scene where he's in the club and the random horned up chick on the stage is just singing and like kissing random dudes in the, the crowd. Oh, and then yeah. just gets into a fucking knockdown drag out. Just so random. That's like a, it's like a funny scene though. Cause even, even Jack's like laughing at the, the, the chaos happening around him. Yeah. Like I, oh, I just I, sprinkled in. I think there's sometimes cultural shit that gets lost. That's, kind of impossible for us to 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 know that was happening yeah. at the time like like you know one thing about whiplash that we didn't mention was whether or not the movie's dated right and i don't think that it is i think that for the most part that movie will will hold up for a long time but there is a reference that uh i heard actually in the fucking rewatchables podcast for whiplash that was put out weeks after hours so guys get off our shit first of all copycats fucking copycats jesus second of all um they brought up uh, the the reference to uh, double double rainbow, double fucking rainbow. Um, yeah, that's just oh, like a weird yeah. cultural reference that won't make any sense to people thirty years from now. <laughs> that's true. That is true. Um, you know, get Carter. Maybe maybe the uh, maybe the weird club chaos dancing scene. Uh, you know, maybe maybe it's similar, but who's to say really? So, all right, man. Uh, time for final grades. Um, I will go first on this one. Um, so I got to watch the movie once, and I I kind of knew exactly how the story ended, but I didn't know anything else about the movie. knew it was Michael Caine. I've heard about the, the credentials of the people who have kind of come to bat for this movie over the years. Uh, I know it has a hell of a reputation, but I tried to just sit down and watch it as its own thing. And I liked a lot of it. I thought that the style was very realistic and cold, and, and really brutal. Um, I thought that it felt very much akin to those other movies that I mentioned, like Point Blank, uh, Friends of Eddie Coyle, um, 
There's another Michael Caine movie, The Ipcris File, that this feels a bit like. Obviously, Italian job. Um, it has that that sort of feel. It's not really glorifying violence or gangsters. It is trying to show you what their life might actually be like or feel like, um, which I think is 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 interesting. Um, and I think there's a lot to like here. Little bit of a pacing issue here and there, um, but it sounds like maybe a second watch would would alleviate that. But I'm not really going to knock the movie too much for that. I think that Michael Caine's performance is top notch. I I think when I think about Michael Caine movies, I probably will always have to consider this one as a a top five performance because I just don't know of another uh, one of his films where he has been better than this even if I didn't love the finished product of the movie as much as other films I've seen him in. Um, that being said, for me, this movie is a very solid B. So, Chad, what do you think of Get Carter? Uh, so first watch, uh, like I said, I had some issues with it and was pretty confused for the first 45 or so hour and kind of like, okay, felt a little gross, felt a little gross, but then second watch, I think I think second watches will do wonders for anyone with this, and I think at subsequent viewings, this will only go up for me. Uh, so I'm, I'm right there with you. This is a, a solid B for me as well, and I think this could easily go to a B plus. Uh, but, I mean, for, for what this is, first watch, um, first time ever watching this the last few weeks here, and yeah, yeah, this is a really fun watch, and really, yeah, just phenomenal Kane performance all around. I mean, it's just there's nothing bad you can say about him at all. Just if you want to, even if you don't like the movie, you really I don't think you're gonna take away anything negative from Kane from this because he's just fucking like you said, tour de force. So yeah. solid B, outstanding. All right, so we're both fans, and I think that means it's a recommendation from both of us. So if you haven't, Definitely. you know, if you listen to this whole show and you haven't watched the movie, uh, go and check it out. I know that you can get it on YouTube. I believe it's on Amazon Prime right now, as well as I think 4K Blu-rays have been released and. Regular Blu-rays, DVDs, and all sorts of stuff. So um, it's definitely out there. You can get your hands on it, and uh, I think you should. If you like Michael Caine, you like British gangster movies, you want to see a little bit of uh, cinema history and see what Total Film calls the greatest British film of all time, I would watch it. So, all right, that is it for movie homework this week. But as we start rolling into our regularly scheduled programming for this show. Uh, I think it makes sense for us to announce what the following film is going to be. So, Chad and I, we have a list that we add titles to, and we had a little discussion pre-show, and uh, we came to a decision. So, Chad, what, what are we doing for next time? We are traveling back to the year 1997 to uh, pick up uh, a little film of, I know you're and I's favorite filmmaker, Mr. David Lynch, Lost Highway. So fantastic. Can't fantastic. wait for that one. Cannot wait. You know, I think eventually we're just going to cover all David Lynch's work. <laughs> it's just never going to be on the binge cast because, like, those guys can't fucking stand it. But, man, I love Lynch. I love the Screw guy. those guys. Screw those guys. That's right. Fuck them. Fuck them in the ear. They don't like it. Fuck them in the other ear. All right. Um, binge movie homework at gmail.com is the email address. Feel free to send us a message. Uh, if you have something to say or a film that you'd like to suggest, we will take it under consideration, throw it on our list, and maybe it'll appear on an upcoming show. And uh, as always, 
You can find us at Binge Media on Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, and Facebook. Don't forget, five bucks a month on Patreon gets you access to the full binge, special commentaries, special shows, and other premium content. And don't forget, Lollapalooza is coming. Details will be forthcoming with that. Chad, anything else for the people? I got absolutely nothing, my man. All right, man. So for this week, I am saying peace. Thank you for listening to Movie Homework, a Binge Media production. Follow the Binge Media Podcast Network at bingemedia.com, patreon.com slash bingemedia, or wherever you get podcasts. Got a movie suggestion? An award suggestion? Send us an email at bingemoviehomework at gmail.com. Binge Media.